0: how many of y'all remember when you first got married, if you're married? Okay, how many of you had to adjust to that? Yeah, I was 28, never been married. My wife was 23. That's five years difference. She's just graduated college. I've been on my own for a few years, been pastoring since I was 19. And when we got married, I found out That green and orange sofas from the early 70s, that my family, several members of my family, had had in their house, wasn't quite good enough. (laughs) That beige walls throughout the house doesn't cut it. As my best friend said, Stuart, that one brought some color into your life. Because suddenly we had to have a yellow bedroom and a blue bedroom. I was like, beige works? What's the problem? And I was an old fogey when I was little, so it, it, you know, I've always been an old fogey. So, so it was a little bit of adjustment. And I was used to doing what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, and suddenly I had to consider someone else. So it took some adjustment. So that's what I was just talking about. Church, we got to do some adjustment sometimes, don't we? We got to adjust to each other. We got to adjust to what the Lord's doing. I love what Henry Blackaby said: You can't go with God and stay where you are. But traveling is messy. I hate to travel. If I could just go home, be home, I'd be a happy man. I'm just not, I'm a homebody. I don't like to go, and I'm going constantly. It's a constant problem. I, I, I love being somewhere else. I don't love getting to somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? So, so I struggle with myself. So it's always an adjustment to me. And, and so that's what we're doing. And we get comfortable. And as I said, the most comfortable people, the most well-adjusted people are in the cemetery. So, when we are no longer growing and changing and learning we 're dying or dead. You know some people in church are dead and just don 't have the decency to lay down. you know that so so i don 't want us to be that way. I want us to to grow and Today, I want to talk a little bit about husbands and wives and and uh, I threatened my wife uh, to to come up and help me preach a sermon so she wouldn 't go ha uh, so much but um, there there was a <laughs> Actually, this wasn't a cartoon. Uh, my, my pastoral professor uh, taught me two things that I unfortunately taught my wife. And you'll understand why I said that when I tell you. One is, I preach to you the, the absolute truth of the Word of God as best I can. You all understand that? Do you under, okay. I may mess up, and you, you feel free to correct me when I do, because I don't want to mess it up. I want to do the right thing. But just like you... Maybe a news flash. I'm not perfect. And when I'm up here talking and I'm doing that, you may think that I am perfect because I sound like everything's great. I was talking about my kids last week. My wife said, gotta quit talking about children. I know. Let me just tell you, imbalance, if you were here last week, I can tell you every way my kid's not perfect. I can tell you everything they've ever messed up in. I'm just grateful that they're trying to serve the Lord. Amen. You know what I'm saying? So we're all that way. We we all mess up and I mess up in marriage and so I preach hard and so I taught my wife a phrase and she's repeated it to me many times. You go home and you mess up and she'll look at me and go, preach a little bit now, Reverend. <laughs> <laughs> Our my, my my the wisest man in the world remains nameless. He also said that he his wife, he told me this about his wife, and I also told my wife this one is that that sometimes, you know, you, you're, you're, we live life, and we're in trouble, and we're not sure what to do, and I certainly, I, I, I don't always have the answers. I, I rarely have the right answer. Sometimes my wife will ask me my opinion on something, and I'll tell her, you know, like, which one do you like better, what dress? You know, I always say, which one do you like? Because then I'm going to go with what she says. But, <laughs> but when I vo- volunteer an opinion, and, and then she goes, no, I'm going to do this. I go, well, why did you ask me? She said it was a test. See, if you t- pick right, and you didn't. So <laughs> So I'm kind of picking on her, but but he said sometimes they'd be in trouble as a family. And his wife would look at him and say, are you going to be a man and lead us out of this or what? Wow. You know? So that's why I said, unfortunately, I told my wife both those stories early on. So I've heard those. Okay, we're in trouble. Are you going to be a man and lead us out of this or not? Because this is my job as a husband. And so today I want to look here in Ephesians. We read these verses last week. Look at them again with me. In Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 21... It says submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. My wife asked me this morning also I said you know there's going to be single people there. If you're single, take heart. If you would like to get married, pray prayerfully, one day you will and I pray that you'll wait on God's best choice for you for that. Don't go looking to find them, look to be them. Be the right person and God will bring you the right person. If you go looking for the right person, you might make a mistake, pick the wrong one. But I will tell you right now, if you pick the wrong one, stick with them. I didn't even get an amen on that, and I thought I would. All right. You're going, I don't want to keep them. That's too bad. I'm going to stop her. I'll be here 20 minutes talking about that. Submitting. You can stand up with me. I'm sorry. Y'all stand. We're going to begin in verse 21. In Ephesians 5, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ the head of the church is body and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, One flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Would you pray with me for a moment? God, we step into your presence in the name of the authority of Christ. And we thank you, uh, Father, that you love us enough. That that, uh, you would send Christ to die in our place. Christ, we thank you that you voluntarily... Came up with that plan and you, and you came. And you died uh, on the cross for us and was buried and rose again. And we thank you have poured the Spirit out on the church. And so right now, Lord, we need your, the Holy Spirit. We need to have our eyes and our ears and our understanding open to behold the wonderful things out of your word. Lord, we need your strength to obey your word. And Lord, we pray that this day we might know your word and live in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, go ahead. You can say I, I started two different things. And I never finished either one. One is I would threaten my wife that she would help me preach this sermon. So I've been calling her uh, Victoria Oldstein all week. But uh, <laughs> she, sorry, I had a guy in my last church. He'd go out of the church. He'd go. That was a great. Tell your wife that was a good sermon, Pastor. Um, so, uh, uh, but but uh, just because I'm talking to the women and she's like, you know, I, I need the help. But we go at things two different ways. She is a planner. She would need a script. I've got an outline. So people say, what are you preaching on? I don't know. You have to come to see because I don't know. Uh, I got an outline. I know what I think I'm going to say, but I'm not sure. And so we just go at it so differently. I'm not going to do that to her today or to myself. Uh, And the other thing I started to say to single people is this. I hope that you learn today. I took marriage courses and parenting courses before I was ever married. Because I wanted to become the person God wanted me to be as a husband and a father. And I still mess up, but I wanted to equip myself as much as I possibly could. And I talked to married people and parents and children of parents as much as I could to learn things. And so I hope you have that spirit of learning even though you say, Well, this doesn't apply to me. I'm not married. Hang in there. Next week it will because it's really talking about Christ in the church. So keep that in mind. you have to wait next week for that specific application. But I want you to understand today, you can go ahead to the next thing. Remember, this is all. We started this part in Ephesians where it's talking about if you're filled with the Spirit, this is how you live. So this is a Spirit-filled marriage or Spirit-filled relationships are where we are. Uh, back up to the other one. I thought I had a phrase there. No, nope. Is there, the phrase not get in? Uh, anyway, I wanted it up there. Submission is mutual, but it's not the same. Verse 21 there says that we are to submit to one another. So we submit to each other. But we don't submit in the same way. I submit as a husband. I take the role that God gave me as a husband. My wife submits as a wife and takes the role God gave her as a wife. But then it specifically says, wives, submit to your husbands. And by the way, those two words are the same word. Okay? And I I, I looked up this word because it has been misused. It's used and misused in so many ways. Okay? It is used and misused. It is a word that comes from two Greek words. One word means to be ...to be underneath, to, be, to have something on top of you, to, be, to go underneath. And the other is uh, to follow or, or to obey another's command, to follow someone else. And so it means to become under the command of another, literally. But here's the deal. It is isn't a voice of, you got to do it yourself... You've got to act upon yourself. In other words, I as a husband can tell my wife, you better submit. My wife has to voluntarily, under the leadership of Christ, submit to her husband. You following me? So a husband can't force that because if you force it, that's, we call that slavery. We call that abuse. But when a woman doesn't submit to her husband, she's in disobedience to the will of God. Now, before you women get upset... That's all it tells you to do, except respect your husband. It's got a long list of what us guys are supposed to do. And the reason we don't hear that much is because the preachers are usually men who's talking about this. So they jump all over your case, all right? So hang in there. If you don't like what I'm saying, hang in there. I'm an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> but I do want to say as we get into this that divorce is not an option. That is not An option. And let me tell you why. Because when you stood before God, you did not make a contract. When you hear people talking about marriage in society today, they talk about a marital contract. It is not a contract. because I'll tell you why. A contract always has conditions and clauses. And if you don't meet those conditions and clauses, the contract becomes null and void. In other words, if one person breaks a contract, it releases the other party to not keep their end of the contract. A covenant is not so. A covenant means I will tell you this is what I will do. And you tell me what you will do. And if I don't keep my end, you still keep yours. Or if you don't keep your end, I still keep mine. So one day my wife asked me, because I had said it. She said, seriously, if I go crazy and I leave you, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go with you. Because I stood before God and I made a covenant with God to love you, to care for you, and take care of our children. Of course, I won't be in the ministry. I'd find a way to make money. And nothing else in this world that I could do would make me happy. So I'm going to be miserable making that money. But I will find a way to make money and support everything. Now, thankfully, this December will be 30 years. She had not left yet. thank God. Every time she goes, I'm going to see my mom, I start sweating. Oh, no. She may not come back. No, she doesn't. In fact, let me just tell you, when I, when I went to ask Janice to marry me, we met in May, married in December, and I called my parents. It was September when I asked her to marry me. September 14th, I think. If I remember right. I don't remember. That Bible's lost. It's in the front of a Bible, but I think we lost that Bible. But I called my parents. I said, hey, get Dad on the phone Tuesday. They both were on the phone. I said, I'm going to ask Janice to marry me. The next words spoken were spoken by my mom, and here's what she said. You can't come home. I said, what? She said, if you get married, you can never come home. I said, I know that. I don't want to come home. She said, I just want to make sure you understand that. When you get married, you're a man. You take care of that wife, and you never come home. Don't come running to mama when it don't work out. Yes, ma'am. Asked my dad just before we got married. Dad, any advice? He said, that's going to be your wife. And whether it's an easy trip or a hard trip, that's your wife, and you got to go on that trip. That's a paraphrase, but that's what he said. Divorce is not an option. I have couples sit down. They start telling me about each other. And I go, did you know that before you got married? Yeah, but I thought it would be different. Well, it's not going to be. You marry what you see, and you get what you see. Okay? Say that's very harsh. Some of us in here are divorced. I understand that. If you're married, stick with the one you got. Okay? I get it. It happens. It does happen. We live in a fallen world. We're fallen people. And sometimes you can't help it. Sometimes it happens to you. Sometimes you cause it. Repent. Get right. Live your life under God. God will take you as far as God wants you to go. And he will help you minister for him. Okay? Amen? Listen, just because your sin is visible and other people's aren't don't make you a worse sinner. Right? Okay, I'm I'm going to tell you the truth. It's not comfortable for me to say those words. Because divorce has touched our family in, in many, many ways. In fact, my wife is the only person she knows of in her family that has not ever been divorced. Period. And she said she wanted to marry a guy that divorce wasn't an option. Even though after she married me for the first year, she wondered what she'd gotten into. <laughs> and would ask me, are you sure this was God's will? And I'd say, yes. Yeah. She said, how do you know? I said, because we got married. She said, but what if it have been God's will for me to marry somebody else? I said, then you'd have married them. She said, what if I'd have married them? And I said, well, then that would have been God's will. She said, well, then it, how can that be since I married you? I said, because this is God's will. That's why you married me. <laughs> She was 23. She'd been single for a long, you know, and all of a sudden she's married to an old fuddy-duddy pastor. She went from having freedom to being a pastor's wife like that. And that was a tough adjustment. i just tell you, this marriage is an adjustment. Amen? Okay, so adjust. So anyway, here's a wife's role. I, just, I, I know I spent a little bit of extra time on that, but I want to make sure you understand where we're coming from. A godly wife willingly submits herself to her husband. That's what I said. It is not a forced thing. It is something you have... The very word says, submit yourself. It is, it is a voluntary putting yourself under the authority of another. But notice what it says. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. In the same way... you. The, and later on it says, as the church submits to Christ, so the wife submits to her husband. Okay? So the model is a godly wife uh, will submit herself as the church submits to her husband. But also... I want you to get something. It's not quite in this text. But let me tell you why that's a difficult thing. We have to go all the way back to Genesis 3. I won't actually turn there. But you remember the story. Adam and Eve sinned. Uh, Eve ate some fruit she wasn't supposed to eat. She gave it to Adam. And Adam at that point could have said you shouldn't have done that. And, and God would have honored him and honored that decision and sin would not have entered because sin had to come through the man. But Adam voluntarily chose to sin. Now Eve was first in the fall, but the fall was not made complete till Adam sinned. And so Adam sinned. But when God came, he cursed the ground and said, Man, you're going to, you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. It's not going to be easy anymore. But he looks at the woman and it says, Your desire is going to be for your husband, but he's going to rule over you. Now... In our modern time, when we hear the word desire, we think of the term meaning that she desires his physical affection. But that is not what that word means. That word literally means you will have the desire to be the ruler over your husband. But he's going to be the ruler over you. Now go ahead and be thinking about that when it says, as the church submits to Christ. You see, we want to tell Christ how to run his church. But we voluntarily submit to his will. And that's a very tough thing for us. As, as a pastor, as I'm trying to f- discover the will of God communicate it to you, sometimes my desires enter, your desires enter, my desire to make you happy enters it. So I give in to things that we shouldn't give in to, so that we'll do to make you happy so you won't complain. And we get in trouble, just like a husband, wife wants something and he knows she's getting him, but he just, you know, happy wife, happy life. You want to be happy or you want to be right? <laughs> I want to be happy, you know, and and I'm, I say that in a joking way because there is a balance there. But but I want you to understand, a godly wife has to put down that desire, and she can only do that through the Holy Spirit—a desire to rule. Now, if you're sitting there, and and you know, like you you are kind of a Christian women liver. I don't know if you are or not. You know, like you can't even order anything online because you won't hit the submit button at the end of the order. I want you to understand something. Christianity delivered women from oppression. You think what the Bible's asking for here is tough? It's not. It actually is not. It is freeing. It's liberating. It is protecting. You look at Islam. You look at every other, like, even twisted Christianity. There are some people, and like I said, they want to dominate women. They want to put you down. And that's not what God is asking. It's not what God's calling for. In fact, in the New Testament... Don't tell the headquarters at the Baptist building about what I'm about to say. Did you know women can preach? Did you know women can serve? They can't be a pastor or a deacon, but they can fulfill the gifts of a pastor and a deacon. In fact, if they don't, how would they serve their family? How would they teach their children? How would they shepherd their kids? How would they do anything in Sunday school? I would have no problem for my wife to come up here and help me teach this. Theologically, biblically, Christian-wise, because of this, she would only do it if I asked her to. You following me? She has willfully submitted herself. Now she could get up and say, well, you better let me get up there. Well, that doesn't work. I'm trying to illustrate it. I'm not saying any of these conversations happen. I'm just trying to illustrate it. A godly wife puts down that desire to rule her husband, to submit to him. Now, here's why. one reason it's hard for you is because you do have better insight sometimes. (laughs) An unsolicited testimonial. All right. So uh, uh, what does a wise wife do? She lets him think he thought of it, right? She helps him. She says, I'm not going to take over, and I'm going to force you to take the godly role that God's given you. By not delivering you, I want you to figure it out and deliver us. And what does a wise leader of anything do? He listens to those he leads. Correct? So I don't think I have it all. Listen, we first married. I took care of all the bills all the time, and that is not my forte. I still take care of the bills, but we have to do it together. We got to know what the bills are together and all that. Because she doesn't want to do all that paperwork. Back then, you know, you have to write out every check. Now you just go click, 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 click. and It's gone. But, man, in those days, and so guess what? I about spin us into oblivion. Because I got this other problem. If I like you and you ask for something, you can have it. Hey, can we go out to eat? Sure. (laughs) What happened to all our money? Well, you wanted to go out to eat. Well, I didn't know we didn't have any money. That was your job. So she had to step in and help me. But you know what I was thinking? Well, the man's job is to take care of the bills. Well, guess what? I wasn't well-equipped to do that. She was better equipped, and she started helping me to budget and learn and do better. You get my point? Sometimes what we think of godly roles, we twist them and mess up. We think, oh, well, the guy's got to you know, cut the grass, wash the car, and, and, and you know, do whatever. And the man has to, and the woman has to do this, this, and this. It's not about those kind of roles. It's the role of leadership. And if she can do a better job than me, then I need to listen to her and, and learn from her and let her help me do it. Or let her do it. And I do something else. It's fine. So this isn't about men have to do this. And women have to do this. But but it is about a heart attitude of submission. To the leadership. The godly leadership of her husband. Because the last verse says. See that she respects her husband. And this word is the same word. that It's the word from fear. It's ph- phobio. Or you know what it is phobos, or anytime you have a fear, like, I, I have claustrophobia, don't close me in, I will panic, you know, so like, preacher went to that church, didn't know about it, he was invited to be a preacher there, and all of a sudden, they broke out some snakes and started handling them, and he looked, at somebody and said, where's the back door, they said, we don't got one, and he says, where do you want one, <laughs> you close me in a room, I'm going to get out, I don't like to be hemmed in. It scares me. I have a phobos about that. That's this word. See that she fears her husband. We are called to phobos God, to have a fear of God, to to respect him, to reverence him. And you go, I ain't got much to reverence there, some of you ladies. That's not the point. The point is that's your role. And as you do that, it requires him to go, what? She's, She's... i got to do this because she's doing that. It creates not only a desire but a necessity for the husband to become what he's supposed to become. You with me? It's tough. I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not a woman, and that's why I kind of really wanted Janice get up here and say all that. But she would have made me write it out, and I wasn't going to do that. So anyway, so what is the husband's role? I tell you, that's all you got. Here's the husband's role. He's got to love his wife supremely. What does it say? It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I don't know if you've noticed. It says, and gave himself up for her. Jesus loved the church so much, he hung on a cross for it. And so Jesus is calling us, God is calling us in Ephesians as men to die to our desires and our wishes and our wants. And to our own well-being for the sake of our wives. That's what we're called to do. And a man that will do that, a woman will willfully submit to that. She will be glad to be under the leadership of a man who loves her so much he will choose her over everything. I think I told you, but I'm going to tell you again if I did. I was counseling a couple many years ago, another place, another time, Janice and I. And uh, I want to make that clear. I don't ever use current examples. If you talk to me, I'm not going to make you a sermon illustration, even though I threaten to do that sometimes. I'm not going to do it. But this guy worked out, so that's why I'm going to use it, and he wouldn't care. And he got married, and he loved to play softball, and he played on a different team every night. He was really athletic, really good, and their marriage was falling apart. And I'm sitting there, and I said, you've got to give up softball, take care of your wife. And he said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I said, are you telling me you'd rather play softball than be married to her? And he went, yep, that's what I'm telling you. Now, let me just tell you that God planned in his heart that he was sent a sinner and needed to repent. And he did, and he got it right, and they're good. And they raised up a godly daughter, and she's married and got kids, and everything's great. Okay? So that's the end of the story. But what I'm telling you is that is the role of a man is we've got to let go of our own desires in order to take care of our wife. Now, it's not just on a whim. And, and, and a, a smart wife will give her husband some room because he's got some things he needs to do sometimes. Uh, as well. But men, our love is to be supreme. And what kind of love is that? It's agape love. It means it's without condition. Uh, Another couple, again, another place. And this guy was cheating on his wife. And I went and started talking to him about it. And he was a coward anyway. But he, he, he started telling me about all the things she had done. I said, that moves me not, and it matters not. You made a covenant to God to love your wife regardless. And he got angry, but like I said, he's a coward, so he didn't do anything about getting mad at me. But I thought he'd attack me, but he didn't. He'd have beat me up if he had, because he was a lot stronger than me, too. But that doesn't stop me. But he was unwilling to love his wife regardless. Now, through that process, she got right with the Lord, but he never did. My cause is to love my wife no matter what she's like. You think the church is perfect and Jesus just wants to love us all the time? You know, there are some people in church that you could slap and God say amen. You know, I'm just telling you. (laughs) But he loves the church, and he doesn't abuse the church. He cares for the church. He moves in the church. He desires our best. So a man has to have the same love for his wife as the Lord Jesus has. She has to submit to her husband as unto the Lord. He has to love his wife as the Lord loves her. The church. And, and so he is our example, but he's also our standard. He did it, so we got to do it. But he is, that's the way to do it. And so the Holy Spirit has to fill us to do that. We have to be, a woman has to be filled with the Spirit to submit to a dunderhead like me. And I've got to be filled with the Spirit to love my wife and put down my selfish desires. Because men are selfish creatures. You know, I mean, they were talking about the women's thing, and they're going to get pampered. And a spa I wanted to sign up. (laughs) But I'm supposed to love my wife, right? And so I have to have the same love. And a godly man will purify his wife. Did you notice these verses? Love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Jesus died in order that the church might be presented to the Father or to himself without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Did you think about what the Bible was just telling us there? It's telling us he acknowledges that the church has spots and wrinkles and blemishes that need to be washed and ironed. You wonder what sometimes why the church goes through some turmoil? Maybe God's trying to wash and iron us. Get it? So what, does, what is our role in that situation as a church? And this is really should be next week. But as a church, our role is to take a step back and go, Lord, why are you having to do this? What, what, what do you need from it? What are we doing? We want to be holy before you. So help us to understand so that we can move forward to the glory of God. That we might be a faithful wife. We can bear spiritual children for our husband, Christ. You with me? So let, let me save the rest of that for next week. But so husbands we are to love our wives and help them we we are to be the spiritual standard so many times we think women women god hardwired them differently i know this really freaks out secularists cuz they obviously can't see in a mirror i don't know if, they like a vampire and can't see in a mirror but god made us different did y'all know that the men and women are different that is more than physical. If it were just physical, you could have an operation and change, but you can't. Your DNA is male or female, and that's the only two choices. I said it last week, I'll say it again, it's still true. And so, a godly man is called upon to be that spiritual leader in his family to help his wife be able to fall in. To that same pattern of obedience to Christ. It is up to him. But sometimes in our society we think of women being more in touch and more spiritual. Because they have a better sensitivity to the spiritual things than we do. Because that's how God hardwired them. Again, back to Genesis. But your desire is going to be for your husband. But I'm going to make you have to submit to him. And so why does God do that? Why does he make it different? So that we have to put aside ourselves to serve each other. The woman has to give up her natural inclination. The man has to give up his natural inclination so she can submit and he can love. And you know how that has to happen? We got to be spirit filled because we ain't going to do it if we're not. I'm going to demand my own if I am not spirit filled. I'm going to demand my rights, my pleasure, my wants, my needs. Unless I am filled with the spirit and I surrender my natural inclination to be obedient to Christ. And so... God never tells us to do what we want to do. He tells us to do what He wants us to do. And and our fallen nature is always in in opposition to the will of God. And that's why He had to give us a new nature so we can be obedient, so the Spirit can fill us and we can be obedient to the will of God. Okay, I keep saying it a different way. I want to make sure you're with me. Let me go on to this. A godly man will protect his wife. Now, i got several different ways to say this. And, And you might not be able to... But physically, we get that. Physically, you ought to protect your wife. Now, you know, my wife's been a little bit worried about that ever since we were married. Because I weighed 135 pounds when we got married. And I'm not not what you call a tough dude. Never never had to street brawl very much. Uh, And, 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 you know, either think my way out of it or talk my way out of it. I Never had to punch my way out of it yet. But I'm I'm called to physically protect her. So that means my self-defense thoughts have to extend beyond me to her. And how do I best protect my family? She only feels safe if the doors are locked at night. I couldn't care less. I mean, what I lack in physical ability, I make up with the trigger finger. <laughs> so I'm not too worried about it. And I got a dog that'll bark if you come in the house. So I'm going to be alerted and armed. Just in case anybody here thought, you'd, thought it might be good to break in. <laughs> But I'm called to physically protect her. I'm called to emotionally protect her. That means I need to fight fair. It is unfair to bring up the past. It is unfair to hold a grudge. It is unfair to keep a list of wrong. It is unfair to tell her, you always do this or you are like that. We need to do a whole seminar on how to fight fair. In fact, we did a marriage seminar one time on, um, I forgot how we called it, but basically it was conflict. This key to happiness in marriage. <laughs> uh, because I think it is. But but listen, I can tell her, when you did this, it made me feel this way. I'm not accusing her. I'm just telling her how what she did made me feel. But here's the real deal. she, can, My wife cannot make me angry. Do you know that? She absolutely cannot. I, no matter what she does, she can't make me angry. But I choose to be angry a lot of the time. Because anger is a choice just as love is a choice. Love is not a feeling. I didn't... Uh, Well, I did fall in love with her, but I didn't just fall in love with her. And see, that's why divorces happen in Hollywood and all that. Because they get a feeling and that person makes them. And you ask them, oh, they make me feel complete. They complete me. Oh, we got so much in common. Uh, You know, and in fact, Janice's uh, cousin one time, she was going to get married. And I said, why? I said, oh, we got so much in common. I said, that's a horrible reason to get married. Because it is. The only reason to get married is the will of God. You said, what if I don't love them? Well, that's a command. You don't have an option there. You have to love them. It has nothing to do with emotion. It has everything to do with obedience. But if I obey God in loving my wife, guess what? I will have the emotion of love toward my wife. You following me? Okay, I hope you are. And so if I'm going to fight fair, I've got to not get angry because me getting angry at her for what she said or did is my choice, not what she did. I choose that. Let me illustrate. You go in. I that it makes sense. All right. You're standing there, and I come running up. I, I've told you all this, too. I come running up. Rick's in the parking lot. Hey, Rick. <laughs> I look down. There you are. And I come running up, and I just, boom, knock Rick over in the parking lot. He's got an option. He can get mad because I just knocked him down, screen, tore up his clothes, skinned his knees on the asphalt in the parking lot. And if he, Rick... You know, I don't, I'm not saying Rick could be this way, but I'm sure he's getting up at least with some questions of mine, if not with vengeance in his eyes. But if I knock him down and then a speeding car goes by right where he was standing, he's going to get up thanking me with skin knees and torn up clothes. Right? The difference there is something we all can see, but the same thing happens to us internally when someone does something. How we interpret what they did determines how I respond to that. So if you do something to me and I think, man, they're having a bad day, then I don't have to get mad about it. If I think, they're offending me, they don't like me, they're coming after me, then I may just bow up and get mad about it. But if I think, I wonder if they understood what they just said. I wonder if they know how that makes me feel. I wonder if they're just having a bad day and they need me to be affectionate. It changes my reaction to what has happened. You following me? So if you're quick to to react, maybe you ought to step back and take a look at the situation before you decide how you're going to obey what God tells you to do about that situation. You with me? Okay, so you got to fight fair. you got to honor your wife. Don't embarrass her. You know, sometimes it's popular. I don't hear this as much anymore, but... At a the time there, was, it was popular to make jokes about your wife, or about you know. When I got married, I used to tell mother-in-law jokes all the time. And I got married. I said I will never do that again. I'll never tell another mother-in-law joke except one. And I asked my mother-in-law, "May I tell this joke?" And she said yes. So I've got one mother-in-law joke I still tell. And it's the only one because my mother-in-law is the greatest lady ever, and I adore her. And so I'm not going to embarrass her. I'm not going to embarrass my wife. I'm not going to talk about my wife giving, uh, treating me like a guide because she gives me burnt offerings three times a day. <laughs> I said I'm not going to do that. Why are you laughing? <laughs> my wife does not burn food. She's a good cook. I mean, just tell you. But so, so I hear people joking on their mate or running them down. You say, well, I only do that with my girlfriend's. Why are you doing that? Why are you do? Why guys are you saying? Oh, my wife, she's blah blah blah. Because men are worse than women, so none. And so I want to uphold her reputation. I read in a book about our last president George W. Bush. I think I told you all this one too, but anyway, he was on an airplane with some senators, and they were joking and talking about cheating on their wives with their secretaries. They were, he was working on his dad's campaign when, when his father, George H.W. Bush, was running for a second term. He's on an airplane going somewhere with them to, for a fundraiser kind of thing. I don't know how it works, but that's what was happening. And these guys are doing that to their wives. And in the book, the story goes that George W. Bush picked up his glass of water while they were drinking whatever they were drinking. And he said, gentlemen, I'd like to propose a toast to Laura Bush said those men turned red, and they never said another joking word again. He honored his wife. He respected his wife. He lifted up his wife as a godly, wonderful woman. And that's what we're called to do, men, to protect our wives emotionally. To let them know that their heart is safe in our hands. And that we are not going to dishonor them in front of others. We are to spiritually protect our wife. I've mentioned that already. We should be the leader in prayer and reading the Bible and and, bringing, and coming to church. Don't make your wife, you know. It's like that guy who woke up and he, she said, get up, it's time. we got to go to church. And he said, I don't want to go to church today. She said, get up, it's time. We, you know we're going to church. He goes, I don't want to go. So said, okay, we, we are going and you're going to get up and get ready. But while you're doing that, why don't you tell me why you don't want to go? He said, I don't want to go there because the people are mean and they hate me and I hate them. And I just don't want to go. And he then She said, okay, well, I understand that, but I'll give you one good reason why you got to go to church. He said, why? She said, you're the pastor. They're expecting you. (laughs) That's a pastor joke, but guys, don't make your wife say you got to go to church. You be, hey, honey, I'm ready. You ready? Let me help you with the kids. See, I got out of that duty a lot. I got to go, baby. Good luck. (gasps) I got to be there early today. I think somebody wants to pray with me. Bye. You know, no. And she did. She did take care of the kids and do that. But listen, we ought to spiritually help our wives. And you you say, well, I don't know the Bible. Well, neither did I For I read it. (laughs) Open it, read a verse, and pray. You know, just, hmm, Jesus wept. Lord, thank you that you can weep like we do and that you understand when we hurt. And please help me love my wife. Amen. Start there. That'll be fine. Okay? Don't wait to be a theologian to do that. And socially. I hear guys, I hear women go, well, I wanted to come, uh, but my husband didn't want to come. Why not? I don't want to go either. Go anyway. Because you heard the announcement. They are social creatures. They have friendships. We don't get that. We have friends. My, I, I can go home and I'll just make up a name. Well, we got a lot of people by that name in here, so I'm scared to use any names. Timbuktu, I go home and say, Timbuktu said that... Uh, he and his wife are having some struggles. Really? What's going on? I don't know. Well, I mean, is he mad at her? Is she mad at him? I don't know. Are they going to divorce? I don't know. He just told me he had some trouble. I said, okay, I'll pray for you. We were done. If the women get involved, they're going to know the color of the... Because they're detail-oriented and they're social and they need that. And we get, sometimes we go, I don't want to go... I get it. I mean, I'd rather stay home, watch the ball game too, or go do something else. But guess what? I need to go. I need to honor my wife and fulfill that. So, so a godly man protects his wife. He says that, that it says there that we love them, that should love their wives as their own bodies in verse 28. Do you love your wife? You love yourself. You don't hate your own flesh, but you nourish, nourish it, verse 29. And cherish it. You cherish it as Christ does. And then notice what it says. Because we're members of his body. And look at verse 31. A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. A godly man leaves his parents and provides for his wife. Don't be a mama's boy. He financially will take care of his wife. That's the fifth thing. I'm just throwing it in there at another place you got to leave your mom and daddy, and you got to take care of your wife. That's why I guess that's what my parents taught me, and that's what they said. When I said, I'm going to ask Janice to marry me, they said, don't come home. They didn't mean I could never come home, because they wanted me to come home all I could. They meant, don't come home and tell me about the arguments you're having with her. Don't think you're going to run home and be able to spend the night here. It ain't going to happen. Work it out, fix it, it's your problem, it's not mine. And that's what the Bible's telling us to do. Well, what could we do about all this? It's a lot. Time is well well past. Women, first of all, put aside your desire to rule and put your in the husband in the place of his leading, becoming a necessity. Make it necessary that he leads. Say, your problem, not mine. This is your job. This is your role. I'm going to take my hands off of it. I don't going to tell you what to do, unless you ask. And you ought to ask, guys. Help me think this through, honey. That's a good thing. My wife can think differently than me. She can think clearer than me about some things. My job is to go, here's the truth and this is what we're going to do and hold that standard. Hers is to help me understand what we're doing and think it through. And so women, put your husband in a place of having to do that by respecting him and submitting to him. Men, love your wife supremely. Die for her now. Date her. Pray with her. Lead her, love her, serve her, do all the things you should do. That dying for your wife doesn't mean, oh yeah, if there's an attacker comes, I'll take a bullet for you. No, take a bullet now, die now, love her now. Put aside yourself to love her. And here's a practical way the two of you can do this find one thing you like to do together and do that. Spend time doing it. I'm blessed. My wife likes to fish and hunt. But I'll tell you this, three mornings a week we get up at 5 o'clock go work out. Something we both like to do. I don't like to get up at 5. She don't like to wait till the end of the day. So we do it in the morning. Because if I don't, I won't do it. So i got to do it early. So we go three times a day. It's something we like to do together. We like to do other things together. like to go on a little hike here and there. We like to go shop at Goodwill. We did that a lot this weekend. We like to do some things. But find one thing that you can enjoy together and do that. On a regular basis. That's just a practical way. To spend time together. And do something together. I don't know what that might be for you. For different people. It's different things. But figure that out. And do that.